Welcome back to another episode of Table Talks, uh, where today's topic is going to be uh, courage and happiness. Uh, I have back with me Brandon. We're having uh, a little bit of a, a catch-up conversation about some of the stuff we talked about yesterday. Um, and we we kind of off-air talked a lot about kind of taking a, a leap of faith and, and you know, becoming attainable versus unattainable and kind of like what that looks like. Um, so, uh, this man helped me work through some, uh, uh, things that need to be said versus what should be left unsaid. Um, and taking the actual courage to talk about that stuff with, uh, people you want to talk about that with. It, you're still doing your intro, and you've already talked about me. How? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for having me on again. Of course, of course. It's always good to have you back. Yeah, well, for me, it's always good to to not only do more podcasting. It's like, uh, I mean, you can listen to my shows or whatever I've guested on. It's just like I fell in love with this community, and, like, I love all the people that, like, I get to work with. But, you know, specifically you and – I've only, I don't even know if I've met anyone else like you that's, like, getting started, but actually, like, is showing the same passion that I had. The same enthusiasm. Yeah, it, it's incredible. Like, like, I am working on some other, you know, side projects with, with some of my other, you know, network, and they're, like, they enjoy doing the podcasting, like, a lot of the people that have done a podcast kind of like oh mm, that's, yeah it's easy it's fun whatever right right um but doesn't have the same enthusiasm about right. like actually getting it out there it's yeah. kind of like i'm okay if it just stays an audio file for the rest of time existence. like it, yeah. doesn't, it doesn't have to come out anywhere it's, it's fine um yeah no uh the minute you kind of kind of was like yeah you know if you ever want to do something i was like well i mean i kind of had this idea for a while now you like were like okay let, we're doing it and the first couple of times we had recorded a couple of podcasts together, you didn't really push it. And then it was like this last week you were like, okay, when you're coming back on Friday, we're recording it. I don't care. Like either get yourself prepped and ready or like come not ready because regardless you're recording. I, well, one of the things that I've noticed is like, I'm very intense and it used to mm -hmm. be like, Same. <laughs> yeah, it used to be something that like when people would say it, I was, it was something I was like insecure about. I was like, I, I know. offended. I get so offended when anyone ever say and, that. And now in recent, I've, like slowly learned how to use that intensity where like I know people are still going to get really annoyed really quickly mm -hmm. and it's like okay well if you get annoyed that quickly and, and I like just met you this, this isn't gonna work out this we're not gonna out. be friends right we can't be friends but we'll probably be even worse co-workers so like mm, yeah you should just just stay over there we're good but it like gets me so excited um again because like I love this journey and in, in like I want other people to feel that same thing. So yeah, like that when, same intensity. When I pushed you to do it, like I did know, or I had in the back of my mind, I knew like you were going to, to take that ball and run with it. Um, and just like, even for me getting started in, in podcasting, like I needed someone to actually hold my feet to the fire. Mm -hmm. Yep. And, and until that happened, it was like, it was always just a dream. Yeah. So, so now it's a reality. Yeah, and, it uh, is a reality. I'm happy to, <laughs> to claim my first victim. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, definitely was something that like I, we talked about yesterday or I should say last week's episode, we, uh, really talked about 
how this was just a conversation between Alyssa and I one day. Mm. And it was like, oh, well, we already do all this. We already give advice to each other every day and have these really hard conversations. And like you and I talked about off air, even if it's a simple conversation of like, hey, I don't know how to initiate this aspect in the bedroom with my spouse, but like I want to. And like I need like I need someone who's never been in my bedroom while having sex to kind of but still knows both of our personalities to be like, hey, like what do you think is the best way to go about this? And even like sometimes being like on that outsider's perspective of like, hey, I would go about it this way, but that's because that's what feels comfortable for me. And like, those are conversations that everybody is having, whether with themselves in their head or with someone else. And we just talked about actually putting it out. And yeah. we, you know, it's been a whole year and we talk about it all the time. We still throw it out there. I'm like, oh, we should really like get some, get to recording. And Alyssa's always like, oh, like we need equipment and whatnot. And so when you offered up the equipment <laughs> in the studio, I was like, all right, I'm going to jump. Yeah. I'm just going to jump and like, you know what? I'll I'll get my feet wet and I'll figure it out and if I crash and burn then so be it. Yeah. But at least I said I tried. T- yeah, take the Eli inspiration and yeah. just jump on just whatever opportunity. Absolutely. If there's a little bit of uh, you know, desire or even if you ever go, "Hmm, that could be" and, right. you, and you have an opportunity to do it, do it. Yeah. Yeah. Jump on it. So. Yeah, that's that's I mean, and that's how I started blogging. Yeah. I was like, "Hey, I kind of like writing." And like, I was like, "Oh, I could do it." And I, this this blog is like, a, I think you and I talked about on your podcast. This is my third blog that I've started since I started blogging when I was, I think, a freshman in high college. And I just took the leap of faith. Have that courage to fail. So let me, let me ask you, and I'm going to also ask you when we record another episode of my show, <laughs> like, in case my audience isn't listening yet. Um, what is a blog? So how does a blog work? Is it, you know, like weekly you write a paragraph two paragraphs three paragraphs and well post it? i think i think it depends uh all every blog is different uh okay. and that's just based on first of all the personality that's coming from behind the blog like who's writing it mm-hmm. and then also like the topic you want to talk about is your blog like what kind of niche do you want to be in and then also like how long and how much effort are you going to be willing to put in so that that's why I love podcasts so much because it's the same expression, but I'm not a reader or writer. Right. So so it's easier <laughs> and, and it's so much easier to do talking than it is to do writing because people can read your writing and like not understand the point you're trying to get across because, you know, when you read something, it's all about your own mood and emotions at the time when you're reading something. Right. Where podcasting, you can hear like the infliction in someone's voice like when they talk. Which is something that I always get so frustrated about. Like everyone knows like the... Um, oh, there's a term for it, uh, and I'm just drawing a blank. Um, but like you send an email or a text mm. message that's like literally like an okay, like mm-hmm. it, an okay is a bad thing. It's like, what? No, it's Since okay. <laughs> yeah. Since when? It's like people read into it wrong, which is kind of like this issue that I've had with reading and writing or literature, I guess, um, that I love about podcasts and to kind of like build off of that in a wild way. The more that I've found myself actually journaling and writing down my thoughts and, and completing my overthinking brain or whatever mm-hmm. it is, I feel like it's helped me in, a, in drastic ways on communication uh, with, with just my, you know, social life, but mm-hmm. especially on the podcast. Yeah. Well, I mean, journaling was something that. I found doing was a good way to learn how to communicate with myself. Right. Which by learning to communicate with myself was like, 
easier for me to communicate with others. Yeah, and and like I can pinpoint like one example of how it how that is like factual, mm-hmm. and and that's like for me because when I'm writing down, I have to go a little bit slower because mm-hmm. I can only move my hand so fast. My I, sometimes thinking, I leave out like little words like the and a and is. Sometimes those words don't exist in my writing because 100%. I'm like it, it, those aren't important. I still know the point that I'm trying to talk about in write in the journal. Yeah, yeah, and and like I don't go back and read my my journal things. It's literally to just write down my thoughts so that I make myself think a little bit slower mm-hmm. or I, or not skip ahead. Yeah, which is what I do in forever, and this is why it's helped me in especially podcasting is. Usually I'm talking as I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a coping mechanism that, that like soothes my brain if I hear my voice and I keep going until mm-hmm. my thoughts developed. Right. But then I always jump ahead of myself. I get, mm-hmm. you know, confused with what I'm getting at. So like what I've been able to learn and I'm still still trying to, you know. Figure it out. Fine tune the, the, oh, the yeah. tool itself. But um, is like as I write more. Like I'm able to to be more aware, conscious of my time talking, right? And, and like, am I just talking to soothe myself, or am I actually thinking about what I'm trying to say? Right, exactly. And and the other thing too is like we're always thinking, and and I there's a like a saying, and I'm gonna butcher the shit out of this, and it's something along the lines of like people aren't usually having a conversation with you to listen; they're having a conversation with you. To reply. I'm the most guilty of it. Yeah, same. I and, get it. And there's and there's literally been times where like I'll catch myself after I've already done it. Mm-hmm. So like I, I already reply and then I go, wait, now I just thought about what you said. Like yeah. I was kind of listening because I was ready to retort, but like I wasn't understanding. I yeah, was just exactly. hearing, you know. Right. And I think hearing difference. and listening are very different. Very, very different. different. Yeah, because you can listen all you want. Like, you can you can hear all you want. You can hear, yeah. Thank you. You can hear all you want, but when you start listening, that's when you start like digesting and having an actual inner dialogue with yourself. That's not reactive. It's more of a response. Yeah, because it, reactive is so immediate. It's right. it's impulse, but like a response is like thought out and with an opinion. And, and the reason why I know, like, listening is better and to try to understand before replying is because I know it's harder to do. Oh, absolutely. So because it's harder to do, like... You value it, it more. Right. And, 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 like, most good things don't come easy. Mm-hmm. So, like, if... And, and this is just a little simple, like, you know, life interaction that happens all the time. But, like, that's an example of... Don't always take the easy route. Yeah. It's it's not it doesn't always mean that it's easier down the road. We're, I we think talked we about talk that about yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think t- we were off air though. Take so, the, yeah. Yes. Uh take the hard path to have an easy life mm. versus taking the easy path to have, have a hard, hard life. life. Yep. Yeah. Um but anyways, to kind of jump back because I, I had stepped away when you were doing the intro, um, uh, but I heard you mention kind of like the topic or the theme that you wanted to, yes. to address. So so courage and happiness, I think, are the two themes I really, like, wanted to jump on today. Courage Be- and happiness. Yeah. And I really had this thought while I was actually on the bike this morning. Um, I was doing my workout. Oh, don't flex. 
I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, it was like 20 minutes. Okay. It's your show. You get it was, to do what you It was like 20 minutes. But I like I went by my brother and sister in laws uh, again because I I friggin' fell asleep the other night in the middle of doing laundry and just like was like yeah okay I'm just gonna sleep here and then I got up yeah. in the morning and I was like shit I gotta get to the podcast god damn it I gotta go and so you know got up ran out of the door ran out the house and left their poor house a fucking disaster and I was like oh my god if they come home today to that they're gonna fucking flip a lid so I gotta get back over there this morning and that kind of forced me because the Peloton bike is at their house it forced me to like get on the fucking bike all my clothes were there and I was like well I'm here super early I have time to kill fuck all right I'll get on the bike so I did it but I was on this ride, and I do it with Cody Rigsby, and those of you that are like our Peloton freaks and you're in our cult, you know who mm-hmm. Cody Rigsby is. He is, oh my God. So he just, I'll give you a brief rundown so you know. He is, is he like the trainer or the tour? Yeah, so, right. Yeah. So um, you have like your instructor. He's he's one of the instructors. Yeah. Um, and he is probably one of my favorite instructors. He has so much energy, and it's I've, I've done other instructors and they all have energy. Like when you do a Peloton ride as an instructor, yeah. you, you have to have that sort of spunk. If you go to a gym that has any kind of fitness classes, yeah. it's like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, but like Cody with a lot of the stuff he talks about, he really hits like home. Like he hits some hard topics and like, but he's really aware of like mental health. Is he, so he's kind of just like doing a like a TED talk while also. Oh yeah. Ah, Yeah. So this one specifically, I taken this, I've done this ride before and I loved it. And this morning I was just like, after last night and our conversation yesterday, I was really like in my feels and I was like, fuck. And I saw this one again and I was like, all right, I got to do this one because we got to, we got to shake this energy. This isn't, we don't like this right now. We don't (laughs) like this. And the ride is literally just like happy ride. That's it. That's the name of it. It's a 20 minute happy ride. Um, and some of the stuff he like talked about was like, you know, drop all the bullshit and pick up the happiness, but have the courage to do so. And I was like, wow, Mm. because you don't realize how easy it is to stay in a rut. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's been my, my existence and that's why I think it is for a lot of us. That's why like what I've been trying to do with this and this table talks is uh, the perfect example is surround myself with like-minded, passionate people because Mm -hmm. you're right. It is so easy to fall in a rut, but when you see the other people that are growing around you that are positively like shaping your life, Mm -hmm. you go, well, I started going down this rut Everyone does it. Mm-hmm. I can justify that, but I can only justify it for so long. Absolutely. Before, before, like, I look ridiculous. Yeah. And, and like, ha- surrounding yourself with those, you know, successful people is going to help get you out of that rut quicker. It's Absolutely. just another reason to get out of the rut. Right. Because you're like, okay, I know that, like, I, I don't like feeling like this. Mm. So, I, and I want to feel the way that I feel around those people, but I also want to do and feel that way by myself. Yeah. So how do I move through that like rut and how do I get past that? Sometimes it's just as simple as doing a 20 minute fucking happy ride with Cody Rigsby. <laughs> like, I mean, and I'm using that example cause that was what really stuck out for me this yeah. morning, but do one thing in a moment of in a rut that kind of one grounds you, but also two lets you have an outsider's perspective on the own shit that's happening in your life. Yeah, sometimes literally just 
changing a small little thing about your um, life just allows you to change perspectives. And this is going to sound wild, but like uh, there's been a couple like extreme ruts. Like I say I ruts, we, I but it was, we all do it. it was like borderline depression that I go through. And one of the first times um, I was ever going through kind of just a downward spiral as I got closer and closer to the bottom. Uh, I was fortunate enough to be in high school with, you know, awesome parents. Yeah. And my dad, like, one day was like, whatever happened, I think I got in trouble for, or, like, got caught drinking underage or something. And, and like, the next you day. Rebel. I know. The, <laughs> the next day, he literally, he's like, all right, take a shower, shave, and then we'll get started on our on our day. And I was like... And ever since then, whenever I'm starting to go through a rut, I'll like shave. Yeah, because you notice you notice when you're not taking care of yourself. Yeah, he in that moment gave you such a life lesson that you didn't even know was going to be a life lesson. Yeah, I, I don't even think he knows he absolutely. He did that. Of course not. That was. It's just he, maybe that's what he always did when he was in a rut. Okay, if right. I if I want to feel good, what what makes me feel good? Right. Well, clean. Being clean makes me feel good. Yeah. So I'm gonna give that advice to my kid. All right, get up, get in the shower. Shave up, and then we're gonna get we're gonna get going. Well, it's even even if it, like being clean isn't what makes you feel good. Being clean is the opposite of being in a rut. Yeah, when you're in a rut, you're dirty. So like you're just kind of like forcing your mindset to to, to start change. to change. It's like the uh, I don't know what the statistic or fact or whatever thing is where like if you smile long enough like mm-hmm. your your whole emotions can start to to, to change. change that's for me that's why i'll shave or i will like sometimes i'll just forget to schedule a, ha- a haircut or whatever for a long period of time and i feel like as soon as i get as soon as i text to get an appointment like i'm already starting to feel good even before i get my haircut the just knowing i'm like yeah well <laughs> j- <laughs> we, <laughs> we we can dive into that in, in just a second. Um, but it's like just knowing that I'm about to start going mm-hmm. back into like getting out of the rut. Like I'm right. starting to clean myself back up. Right. Like I get excited and like I can like literally pinpoint that moment where my morals are go- or morals, my my vibe is mm-hmm. going going in the right, right direction. direction. Again. Yeah, it's going back up. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know for me like one of they are you know everyone talks about self-care like do do the thing of self-care that is best for you when you're feeling at your lowest and I know for me it's taking a bubble bath shaving up all of the lady parts and sitting down with a glass of wine and some candles and a good book Mm. and leave me the fuck alone with some jazz music maybe a nice fire if it's if it's possible right but if I if if I can't even get myself in the tub that's when I know I'm really low because mm. I'm like, okay, I don't even want to do the thing that is so relaxing to me because I'm so tense and so in my head about all these other things. That, yeah, and, and the other thing that I, I'll do is make my bed. Mm, yeah, the the whole, like, making my bed thing doesn't, it doesn't hit me the same as most people. Like It, it doesn't, It honestly, it doesn't really work for me. Mm-mm. But what I use it to do, like, I tried it because of that same reason. Yeah. And I think there's been times where, like, oh, I made my de- a bed, so now I can accomplish the next thing. And that, right. that's the whole point of it. Yeah. But, like, for me, when I make my bed, because I'm pretty good about making my bed every day. I mean, there's the, the time <sighs> where I got to get up early for work and... 
you know, I'm a little hungover and I'm barely getting out of, <laughs> out of bed. So I don't have time to make my bed. But, um, I know when I miss making my bed more than one day in a row, mm. I'm like, Oh, this is like that storm that, yeah, that rut is coming in. Here's so, the wind. Here's the start of the wind. So like the, you know, the older I get, the more I am learning myself and I start to, I can kind of catch myself before it you get becomes there. a real rut. Like right. I can be like, all right, maybe I'll give myself a one day rut. Oh, we, absolutely. We need oh my God. Absolutely. So, and ruts are sometimes the best way to give yourself a break. Right. Cause you're just like, no, the answer today to anything and everything is no. What? So the, it, like for a rut, like when I know that like, I just need a, like a rut is coming and I feel myself getting, I'm like, okay, oh, oh, the I- answer is no. Right. Anything that I'm asked to do or anything that I set up for myself to do today is a no. Do what feels good right now yeah. and do what you need to. And that's it. Bare minimum day. That's a dangerous mindset to have because when you have that mindset, it when you just do what feels good, you turn into that easy path. Yeah. But what a lot of people don't recognize is like we can't all work at that Gary V level of intensity every single day content content Gary, content Gary V can't even work at that and no. he says it too he's like right. I don't work like that I still I still sleep eight hours a night are you kidding me right like he portrays that he's working that hard but he also has a massive team behind him to do all of that extra right. work as well like so when he's not working he's resting because that's important I mean, he talked about it on uh, an episode that I, I listened to, and he does um, Do Not Disturb December, I think is mm-hmm. what he talks about. And it's literally where he just, for the entire month of December, he drops off the face of the earth. Uh, yeah, that's something that, like, when you get to that level, you have enough resources that absolutely. you can get away with it. But- no, absolutely. But I think taking that on a smaller level yeah. for someone who, you know, I think all of us have enough going on. Yeah, we also live on a smaller scale than what he lives on. Absolutely. But taking that month off and just giving yourself the option to have no obligations and not post that social media or feel like you have to post that social media mm-hmm. post. I think you and I talked about this. Yeah, when you took your hiatus, yes. you felt like, oh my God, I got to be doing something. I got to yeah. be doing something. And the whole reason I'm taking this hiatus is to not do something. Right. So those first couple of days are the fucking hardest. Yes. Because yeah. you're... You're used to being the rat in the wheel and just like, go, 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 go. Yeah. And especially because like you hear the people like Gary Vee, that's like, you got to, especially if you're trying to, you know, blow up, if you want to do it, you got to, you got to do it. And, and I'm like, that's what I thought was the best way to do it. But Mm -hmm. like by doing that, I'm draining the most important resource that every human has. And that's themselves. Absolutely. And if you run out of that resource or you know, start running on, you know, empty fumes. fumes. Like that's when you lose yeah. everything that you've been working for. Absolutely. So you gotta, you gotta know that like you gotta refill your tank. Yeah. And that's by taking a break, taking a rest. Yeah. A hi- I think a hiatus is like a easy term to, to allow people like me to justify that. Like I'm taking a break and, and now I'm scared that I'm going to lose mm-hmm. out on that moment. Right. But it's like if I take a hiatus, I know it's for self growth, not, not for right. And and to take the moment during the hiatus and realize, or even before, like we talked about, like you know, you kind of have those signs that you're starting to get into that like rut. Like yeah. I need a hiatus. I need to take time for myself. You like start to see those things and those like patterns, and then you're like, 
before you know it, you're in it and you're like, fuck, I should have listened to those patterns. I should have, I should have been, I, sh- I knew I saw it all happening and I still ignored it. it. And I think as you grow as a person, you start to realize those signs are your body's way of being like, okay, we're getting burnt out. Okay. We're getting burnt out. Okay. If you don't give me rest, I'm done. Right. I'm, I'm going to take a rest for you. Yeah. Cause we, we, we do all need and we all run in a rat race i think we all run in a rat race yeah i think everyone has their own rat race if you're a stay-at-home mom i think you're running a rat race because you're still cleaning you're cooking you're taking care of the kids 24 7 you're making sure like the finances are taken care of whatever you're doing all the things at home that anyone even that does a working job is handling at the same time right on top of all the other things that life throws at you this is kind of like not to not really adding to the same point that we've been talking about, but like stay at home moms, I think that is such a highly valued thing that doesn't get discussed. Mm-mm. Uh, you and I, I had this conversation yesterday. That's kind of why I, I, I kind of want you to explain to, to the listeners what you've kind of expressed to me. Cause I know that's, you've kind of, Learn. I don't know when you kind of had that revelation where it's like, I don't necessarily want to be. I don't want to be a career mom. I have zero drive to be a career mom. And I, I I think I always wanted to be a stay at home mom. I always said growing up with my mom, I was like, I want to be a stay at home mom. I don't want to work. I want to be there for my kids until like they're out of the house. And I don't even mean out of the house at like 18, but I mean like going to school. Yeah. Like until they're going to school and going to preschool, then like okay, I'll get an I'll get a part time job once my kids start going to school. Right. Like fine, I have no problem doing that. Like picking up the slack when you know my significant other has been pulling this pulling the weight most of the time. Right. But I have no desire, and I would love to be a stay at home mom. But you and I talked about this. A lot of people see that as a gold digger, and you oh, kind of right. you kind of came at me about it, and I was like, yeah, but. It, and not in a negative way. You you said, but it's not. I I think You're that's not, I think yeah. it's a, I think that's a terrible perspective. Yeah, honestly, like even when you said like you know that's the criticism you get is like you know guys are saying that you're a gold digger if that's what you want. I honestly, it, in all my life as a man, and the the you know conversations I've had with people about like our futures and having a stay at home wife or whatever it is. I don't think Gold Digger was ever really ever brought up, mentioned, mm. or like even conceptualized. Like, I think a gold like we did talk about Gold Diggers, or right. I definitely have before. Like, I know what they are, and and I know I don't even think being a Gold Digger is bad. I think that's a negotiation that you have, yeah. you know, when, with your spouse when you're with your spouse, and you know. Sometimes that's the solution. Like, that's how you guys can stay together. Yeah. Fine. Um, But, like, the house mom. In fact, growing up in middle school and high school, one of our friend's moms, stay-at-home mom, she was everyone's favorite mom. Oh, yeah. and, um, And not even, like, the most fun mom, like, the one that would always bring us on trips. She was just so nice and, like, like, as we started to, you know, reach puberty and, and, you know, be interested in girls and, like, be like, you, you know, like, we, we're boys, so we're going to talk about sex or whatever. But we, we, believe it or not, even young boys will talk about 
marriage, future, wife, yeah. kids, and, and tell us tell each other like what they want and everything. And unanimously, it was like we want a wife like that. Mm. And like we would, you know, fuck around with my friend and be like, "Oh, I'm gonna, we're gonna uh, marry your mom." Right, right. Sorry, yeah. Tell your dad I'm sorry. <laughs> but like, and it's because like we men don't express things, and you know, and I and I think we were talking about this. We have talked point. about this. <laughs> See, this I do too many projects, so like I, I, I kind of like lose track. Um, but those, uh, the stay-at-home moms is like so valued. Men just don't express the things that they like or they enjoy. Mm. And it like to kind of bring it to a topic that is uh, common on this podcast. Uh, it's why like a lot of guys don't talk during sex. Mm-hmm. They know what they like. And, and like, you know, some men will talk or say like, I I know caller daddy gave the advice to at bare minimum, just go like, oh fuck. Like, yeah. Even though it sounds weird or whatever, it's like, that's just enough of an indication that you are doing it right. And, um, but like, I think it goes across the board. Like I don't even express things to my close friends necessarily. And if I do. I'm expressing it so that I can get the criticism and like the feedback outside of my bias brain. Yeah. Like I want to hear guys are very much like that. Right. Very much. They're, you're not going to talk about something unless it's like something where you, you know, you need that outside perspective. Right. Where girls, I mean, we'll fucking chat for hours about the fucking dumbest shit in the world. Right. Our fucking toenail colors, the the bitchy lady at fucking stop and shop yesterday. Like we'll talk about it all. Guys are more like, I talk when it's like important. Yeah. Well, yeah, and and we kind of use each other to like crowdsource. Mm, okay. Because it's like like for an for an example, like me pursuing stand up comedy or trying out stand up comedy. In my head, I know it's kind of ridiculous, and you, you know, have that self criticism. I'm super self critical, but like I'll bring it up to my friends, knowing that they're going to be give me a similar self critic, but. If their self-criticism is less than what I was doing to myself, then I know it's still a viable option. Mm-hmm. I can still try it because I'm like, well, if that's the worst kind of criticism I'm going to get from my close friends who will Are, be ruthless. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like. Also, then, find yourself ruthless friends. Find yourself ruthless friends. Yes. You need ruthless friends. You need Ru- the ones that are going to be blunt, honest, and they don't care to hurt your feelings. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's just being... Um, transparent yeah you know there's okay so this is something that is definitely like asked by every philosopher is it like are white lies okay are like little like Mm. passing things i think there's a time and a place for them i think they can be okay but there's so many variables that determine whether or not it's okay. Mm. It's not, it's even more than just like a case by case basis. Yeah. It's like, there's so many other things that even if you justify it as a viable lie or, uh, you know, justified lie later on, it, that same lie that you said was justified may no longer be justified. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Um, but I think it's kind of goes back to the easy versus the hard thing to do. It, it is harder to be – the hardest thing to do is to be honest and direct. Yeah. 
but still like showing compassion when you're doing yeah, it. Absolutely. I think, and I think that's the difference. Um, you can be absolutely ruthless with someone, but being compassionate when you do it. And, and I think this is why you and I are able to, to get so deep, especially off air. Yeah. <laughs> There's some things that I haven't necessarily touched upon yet. Um, even more so than, than some of my friends, because it's like, if I am too ruthless to a friend or mm. ruthless on the wrong thing, yeah, because we're friends that can kind of, you know, uh, because we're longtime friends, it's like, it's kind of like a unfair jab. It's a low blow mm. because it's like, I know so much about you. Like, right. like if I am ruthless, I can pinpoint like specific things that I know yeah. you're, you're insecure and it's just mean. Yeah, and it, 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 exactly. That's, it, that, and that's so different than being direct and being right. like, look, I think this is the outcome or this is what my advice is, but being nice about it. Yeah, and and you can get a lot of truthful, like critical stuff from from close friends, and they, even some of the most ruthless times, your friends can be compassionate. But I find like people that are newer in my life, like you, and a lot of the people that I've met through podcasting, I feel like it's a it's not only easier; it's just more organic it's more true when you are compassionate and authentic and mm-hmm. and like but do you think that comes with age as as we've gotten older and just been like hey like you know i was a real dick then about x y and z and like you know i could have handled that differently probably obviously that yeah yeah i think i think that's what it, it just com- it, well it just maybe it, that's what it is. i think it really does just come with age and experience actually i'm not even gonna say age I don't, I think I don't I don't think age is the right word. I think experience is the right word. Yeah. Comes with experience and that that time of self-growth that right. most people in their 20s in are doing or did. Mm. Cuz I know I know for me, I I wasn't say 3 years ago the girl you take home to mom. I was not her. I was the girl you were sneaking <laughs> in the back door at 3 a.m. Right. So that's self-growth in your 20s to go from backdoor girl to take home to mom girl. Because you realize at some point, like, it was fun, but it's not something that you want to do. It's You don't even, you're not even happy with yourself no, when you're doing it. Exactly. And, like, that that self-growth, like, that was my self-growth. But, like, everyone's is different. And But you, you grow in your 20s regardless of if that's, you know, the transition from hoe to... To, to wife yeah, or from, you know, jumping around to having a stable job. Like, I think there's growth somewhere in your 20s. And I think that, like, now that I'm thinking of it from the idea of a- age experience, whatever, right. whatever you want to say, um, it's helping me understand my relationships with my long time, my close friends. Like, um, you know, I have, I honestly haven't, it's mostly because of COVID and, and all that and the pandemic, you know, just there's not even things to do if it, we could get together. Um, but like, I love them and, and we'll always like, if they reach out, I'm a hundred percent on board. Like, yeah. like we have a bond for a reason, but right. I find myself as of late trying to 
develop new connections, mm-hmm. new friendships. And, yeah. and like, I prioritize my newer friendships more so because, one, I feel like, you know, I didn't necessarily know your your past self. Right. But, like, to me, it's, like, that's just the, like, I understand because I also had a past version of myself mm-hmm. that, like, I wouldn't want you it's to not impressed to with, right. I, but, like, we can still talk about our battle scars. Absolutely. We can still talk about those things that, that got us to where we are. Right. But I can respect you and appreciate you for where you are now because yeah. this is when I met you. And it's right. just, it's, I, I feel like it's kind of unfair that, like. Well, uh, see, I, I don't think it's unfair, though. I think you, long-term friendships have a lot of expectations versus new friendships there's not expectations. So you kind of get to play around a little bit more and and get to experience each other on a much more vulnerable level, especially if you're in a specific area of growth in your life. I think, all right, this just this is a th- working theory, but I think <laughs> you, I, I have something real here. So I think the reason why... And I'm just going to use myself as the Mm -hmm. anecdotal evidence, but I I think this might apply to a lot of people. I think the reason why I enjoy newer friendships is because, like you were saying, you can almost be more vulnerable and it'll be easier to find your authentic, your true self Mm -hmm. with new people because, and this is something that, like, I always get nervous about when I hang out with my, you know, high school, middle school friends again, is, like, I... I'll, I'm kind of like a chameleon. So like, I'll just go you back, to, back. I'll like a hundred percent turn into that same crazy, like right. annoying guy because in not they don't make me do that. No, they're, they're not even peer pressuring me to like shock in a beer or do this or right, do that. Right. I just like that comes out of me. And then I'm kind of like, Hey, you want to shock in a beer? And I'm like, wait a minute. That's not me anymore. What are we, what are we doing? And And it's like, I, I am usually in the moment, like aware that I'm changing, I'm going or reverting back to myself, but I don't like it. It's, I don't even know how to, to Put be the like, wait on. a minute, this isn't who I am. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and I think it's because you have those expectations with friends. Right. And that it, you, you self-impose, absolutely. you self-manifest too. Like it, it, it grows into a, you know, greater, it almost becomes like an alter ego. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. anyone from your, your past life and, and I've experienced this even with my parents is like, you know, as much as I want to start opening up and kind of being more honest about what I do, like the things, relationship, well, relationships especially, but like more so like my extracurricular activities, oh, yeah, okay. uh, like what I do and, and <laughs> right. like kind of what I'm interested in, but I still have like those pockets of, you know, memories, events that happened in like not bad blood, but like times where I, they just, I knew they didn't understand me. And I mm. like, and it's so ingrained in me that like, I don't even think you can, it's like smolded on. You can't, yeah. you can't just tear those apart. And that, no. I think that exists with every relationship you have is like, and, and this is why besides the toxic element of getting back into a relationship with the next mm. or, and I don't want to, I'll use my example again instead of <laughs> in case you want to chime in, you, you're more than welcome. But um, w- I was telling you about 
the love of my life, mm-hmm. the the person that really like, I don't know, I, I I truly can't express it because I I don't understand it, and I've realized, or what I've come to terms with is that, even if our lives, our paths cross again, and this time the timing was right, mm-hmm. we are ready for each other. I think there's so much in our past that like. It's not even that I can't get over it because I'm already over it, essentially. I've already moved on past it. But it's like I'm still connected to those things. Like those things still existed. Yeah. Regardless of, you know, you everyone can change. Everyone can be a better version of themselves. But it's like this relationship and a lot of like exes can never go the full distance because... They're, they're still, still holding that, on that to something. Thing. Well, yeah, they're still holding on to something from that past relationship. And you don't even know you're doing it most of the time. Like, you can let stuff go and it doesn't bother you anymore. But when you get back with that ex, you're finding it manifesting again. Right. And you're like, but I don't actually feel this way. This is just something that is always comfortable in the relationship to feel. Because that's how our relationship was. And another, yeah, um, another way... Or a time that this happens is like when you're early in a relationship and it's starting to fade. So like what you think and like if you guys start to break up after like month five or something or just start separating and you feel that breakup coming. Mm. What you want to do is is, go back to that. Those first few stages. Be like, yo, why can't we just be where we were? I made that mistake. I That's, made that mistake. If you truly want to make it work or or to continue with that person, you need to accept that it's gone. Yeah. It's gone a different way. You guys aren't the same thing, mm-hmm. but you'll never be the same thing. No. Enjoy enjoy the memory. Enjoy right, what, right. what it was. But understand the, the next the phase, the next step in your relationship is to learn how to adapt with a new... Yeah. People you are. Yeah. Uh, there was actually, uh, I think it was a YouTube video I happened to be watching. And this guy was like, I was so lucky to fall in love with my wife because I didn't fall in love with one girl. I fell in love with 10 different girls. And I was like, where the fuck this man going with this bullshit? <laughs> and I was like, he's, he's crazy. And he goes, I fell in love with a girl who studied her ass off in law school. It was driven, high sex drive. Oh, man, it was great. And then... I fell in love with the girl after her that was working nonstop still. I still love the work aspect, but she was a little more tamer and she was a little more gentle. And he just like talks about all these phases that he fell in. And he goes, and now, now my wife, she's a dog mom after, you know, 18 years of being a real mom. And I got 10 different girls in one girl because I accepted every change she had. I think that's the most realistic love story. Yeah. And I think, and I heard that and this was when I was in, you know, my hoe phase and I was still, you know, contemplating going back to the ex. I was like, no, like it's fine. I want that comfortability. And I was like, whoa, wait a minute. Hold up. Right. I want that comfort. I want what was at the beginning and all that, that love sick puppy love. Mm. But that's not realistic. Yeah. You're not going to have lovesick puppy love for your entire relationship. No. It's not realistic to maintain. It's not And attainable. it's not enjoyable. No, because at a certain point you're like, well, when's the real shit happen? Because like yeah. something's going to hit the fan. 
No, and I don't need even... I don't need your puppy love. Right. I need your I need your real love that like is gonna be here when things are really fucking hard. Even besides like you know, there are some people that get into relationships that like just coast. They, like they yeah. just they're almost more friends than than otherwise. So it's like you know, even if there's a disagreement, it's like all right, whatever. I'll just I'll do the dishes, no whatever, and right. then just move on from it. Um, but like to to like, mm, I I was going too fast in my brain again. Mm. <laughs> Um, I, I think, and then this just, my computer just shut off and then I got distracted. I, I'm really butchering your, your fucking podcast. Sorry. sorry here. I don't care. Um, what was I saying? We were talking about unsustainable. It's not attainable to have puppy love forever. Oh, right. Uh, okay. <laughs> so the puppy love is, it's not even enjoyable. Cause like if, and I'm talking from myself, my right. opinion, if I want a wife and kids and a family, What's going to happen when my kid runs up and wants to play catch with me and my wife jumps on me and kisses my cheek and like, ooh, hey, let's let's go do something fun. It's like, mm-hmm. no, I want to I wanna play catch with my kid. Yeah. So, like, you don't always want puppy love. Right. It's, it's awesome and it's a great foundation to a relationship because you... You kind of... You, you get to play with each other. And, yeah. and I don't even mean... Like, play isn't even a, a sexual way here, but, it, like, you get to understand, like your softer sides to each other during that like puppy love phase. Right. And you can kind of be like, you recognize when someone may be withholding that softer puppy side, especially when life gets really hard. Yeah. Sometimes you forget to be soft because you're so used to just being hard. Cause that's easier. <laughs> and the, <laughs> don't, the other thing, don't like, laugh like that. <laughs> and, and I, again, I'm still, this is a working theory. So like what I was saying about like, the reason why you can't, you know, fix an ex is mm. like you, if you, if an ex is going to work out, you just have to, you have to enter it as like, I'm dating a different person. Like yeah. this is a new relationship. Absolutely. You can re-exhibit the, the whole puppy love thing. Mm-hmm. I think that puppy love, the reason why it's such a strong foundation to, you know, relationships. And I think it's like become human nature that that happens is because in the same way that like, and with an ex, you have to recognize that as just a memory. Mm. I think that same use of the, like, reflecting back on that memory can, hap- like, exist for your entire relationship. So even when you have those kids and, and you guys, you know, your careers are making you almost too busy and, and you know, by the time you get home, you got to work, you help out your kids and, like, you're too exhausted to have sex at night. And it's like, you start to, like, miss that, that bond you had you built that foundation and you have those memories right? so that you know, like, all right, I'm still in love with this girl yeah, or guy, whatever. Yeah. You can go back to that. The, you can, you can even be vulnerable in those moments with your spouse and be like, Hey, I need a little bit of puppy love. Like we used to do. I need those things. You know what? And, and I'll let you, uh, you know, tear me apart for, <laughs> for a little bit here. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> All right. Like go a ahead. little segment that, we, <laughs> that we routinely do. But, um, yesterday off air, we were talking about a couple of my options. Yeah. I, I, I feel I'm not, that's, they're not, on, they're not a roster. I'm not but... trying to degrade them. Cause I, like, I don't even have a roster. It's just like people that I've, been texting or have texted this month right at some point or another like we've had some kind of communication um 
Well, one of them I was explaining to you is like we had a we had gone on a couple dates um, right before the pandemic. And, you know, we had a I think the last time I saw her in person was like a Valentine's dinner that mm. um, I, I invited her over to the house and I cooked like a like a nice little Italian dinner with, with wine. Um, and and this is what I want to explore and hopefully you can help me. So, like, that moment, that night, it was fun, especially, like, at dinner, having that conversation. Like, you know, we, we connected so well. Like, she's an awesome person. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was kind of, like, also, like, after the first time we were a little more physically intimate. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't really go far, but, like, while we were a little more physically intimate, mostly just making out, kissing, kind of kind of that stuff. Um I, like, was in the moment, was like, oh, this is, like, I'm passionate. I like this. This is fun. Mm -hmm. But, like, after she left, that, like, I still had a little bit of passion for a couple days. And then, like, I think it was within a week, something fell through and we weren't able to see each other. And then it was a, you know, and then I'm already starting to, like, not really have the passion anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I, I think you're an interesting person. And I, like... I think you'd be an awesome friend. And I lost that passion for her. And you friend zoned her real quick. Well, I, I the first time, so this is uh, 2019 was when we started talking, whatever. 2020 is the Valentine's. Yeah. And then it was COVID. Literally the week before, like, I mean, some people had heard about it, but I don't remember it being, like, talked about, like, mm. hey, you know there's a virus going around. Right. It, like well before any lockdowns or anything, um, I kind of just I did what you recommend I do uh, now in this situation, which we'll I'll get to in a second. But uh, I just cut it off. I literally was like, "Hey, I'm sorry if I've led you on. Um, I just like don't feel the passion. I I didn't have the spark. Right. Um, I really like you. I I think you're very awesome, but uh, I don't want to continue a romantic relationship. Yeah. Um, and I totally understand if we you know, have zero contact after this, I get it. And that's kind of, she, she was kind of mad. Cause I think at one point, e- even on the Valentine's day dinner, she, she questioned that about me. And at the time I, I wasn't, I was interested in pursuing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then after some time happened, I was like, I don't really have a have a passion to to try to get that mm-hmm. further levels with with this person and she was kind of like yeah well you did lead me on whatever and I, I felt bad but i was like you know it is what it is we tried something yeah we but like uh, her saying yeah you led me on it was in the most nice compassion oh, no, no, absolutely like, like oh i'm sure she, i'm sure she said it great but i uh, how do you the whole point of the dating process is to figure out if you are compatible. It has to be a two-way street. Yeah. So, yes, you may have led her on, but that's because you were genuinely interested. And then it, something just, like, hit different, and it was like, wow, I'm, actually, I'm not as interested as I, like, anticipated I was. Right. And that isn't leading someone on. That's just being real with yourself and recognizing, like, and how many dates did you, you guys go on? Um, I want to say like five dates over the course of 
Rough. two, three months. So we okay. technically, so she was studying abroad um, when we first started talking. Like, I, mm-hmm. I think I met her off Tinder and then, you know, we started Snapchatting, texting, like yeah. pretty much daily for like, this kind of goes into that building anticipation. Actually, right. you know, I said I did a little bit of prep. This is yeah. kind of like, I try to like revisit this whole time in my life. Oh, okay, I think it's okay. like a, it's a good topic. Um, or just like something that I want to learn from yeah. myself. So building that anticipation and like what it is when you can't always reach out to them. They're not fully available. Mm. And this is some advice to you. Yeah. <laughs> what you do is you start to fill the spots of void. Mm. But because Every time you int- interacting with them on Snapchat, you almost kind of get that little like you get giddy, you mm-hmm. get excited, yeah, butterflies in your stomach, yeah. Everything about the person, all your perceptions are positive perceptions, right? So everything you're filling in the void that you're you're just unsure about and, and that anticipation's building, you're filling with positivity, like right. the good attributes, like yes, yeah, she is pretty, and you know she does make me laugh, and and I do get excited. Right. I don't even play the game anymore where I open the snap and wait to reply or or whatever like i'm just about this girl so i just want to do the whatever when she finally returned we went on our first date awesome i still was like yeah this is exactly what we're doing you know as we're communicating over text and now i know you're awesome in person too right yeah not just the the digital like you said something about this you're like some of them are just it's been just a digital contact versus like a a a one-on-one in person which is a totally different feeling and relationship going from digital to actually an in-person one-on-one mm-hmm. time because it's you make a huge shift in that relationship it yeah 100 percent, and it's like it's something that you don't even realize until you are in the moment mm-hmm. um but all that anticipation that's been building is like now it's right here in front of you and you you want to be excited about it because like you're almost you've created a person yeah You've had an expectation. That, right. That isn't necessarily the person sitting in front of you. Yeah. And and I think that's why going on a couple dates is a really great idea. Right. Before, like, um, act like a lady, think like a man. He literally, Steve Harvey says, like, don't give up, ladies. Don't give up the cookie for at least the first 90 days. And in those 90 days, you need to be very strict about how often you're seeing this person, what your expectations of your dates are, um, and, like, what you want to do like you have to be very upfront about those things and and those first 90 days you can't give up that the thing that is is basically ladies like that's your gold and in order to like get to know a guy or or a girl I mean this goes this goes both ways like if you're if you're a guy listening to this like you really shouldn't be putting out either for the first 90 days because uh, I'm sorry but a lot of y'all talk with your dick and and think with your dick so you you know you're like oh well like she's pretty I want to fuck her I'm not saying all of you. I'm just saying there's there's a high a high price on that, um, a high number on that. But don't don't give in to those carnal desires first. Like you gotta you gotta actually try to figure out who this person is and do you want to have that energy exchange with someone. Um, and I think sometimes that's really hard to look past. I want to fuck this person versus I want to actually build something with this person. And, and doing that 90 day vetting process is and dating and and having that standard of I and I expect to see you once a week to do something new it doesn't like you're like 
I hate date night being like a. I know most people are like, oh, it's like fancy dinners and, and nice dresses and, and picking you up. And a hike. I don't, yeah, I don't want date night to be this like expensive thing. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm bougie in some sense, but not when it comes to like dinners. I want, I want one on one time with you. And if you know we're in I some wanna... loud ass restaurant, I'm gonna be pissed because I'm not actually, I, that's why I don't like movie dates. I fucking hate movie dates. Agreed. Stupid. But those are a good like third date when it's like you're just trying to like kind of laugh. Got a little physical. Yeah. Like, you wanna you wanna explore that a little more. But um, you know what I wanna like normalize is like parking lot dates. Oh, like, just I, meet my up God, in a parking lot. They're my lot. favorite. Just just have a conversation. You don't even need to. You can just to kind of like because it's not normalized yet. You can maybe be like, oh, I'll order some pizza. Let's just meet up at you know the mall and we'll just hang out, yeah. get to know each or other. Or park dates. Park dates are also park great. Dates, like yeah. co- that's why I, that's why I think I enjoy coffee dates. Like that's something that I know going forward. If I do a a dating like process, I want coffee dates. I don't want dinner dates. I don't want like. Those are, I want like a park date. Let's go for, let's go walk around the city and like just kind of like get to know each other and talk life. Like though when you're, you're walking and talking and enjoying a beverage or even like a simple meal like pizza, it's a much different feeling than when you're going to those fancy dinner dates because Mm -hmm. you're not, I feel like fancy dinner dates have that sort of expectation of like you only talk about certain things. I think it's a great first date. Because See, I and, disagree. And I, here's why. Okay, I'm going to let you explain, but I disagree. The same stuff that I was kind of calling you out for, mostly off air, where we were waiting for some texts, or yeah. you were waiting to text back, and you were like, hey, we could do another podcast. And I'm like, you're trying to deflect. You're trying to yeah. avoid, oh, absolutely. avoid meeting this challenge. And what I, the challenge in this scenario with dating, it is, it, it's not easy. Mm-mm. You can be the most confident person and, and like, it doesn't really, there's so many unknowns. Absolutely. There's so many variables. Like you could go into it, have a perfect date. And especially if you've been building all this anticipation and, and you really think you like this person. Well, what happens if you go on the date and you're like, oh, I actually don't really like this part. Like, mm-hmm. and now you're like, you're risking losing that up thing. So like you you just have nerves regardless. Yeah. Um, I think the dinner date because it's such a infused in tradition as l- mm. the first date, I think it one allows like kind of a a common you know way of going out, like okay, finally yeah. introducing each other or like you know getting to know each other, and also it provides like on the date some distractions. So like if you're mm, you can look at the menu and whatnot, things you, like that. I gotta go to the bathroom, whatever it is. Um, but I know like. Your point was like, if it's too loud and it's like, you can't really connect with that person. I agree. But I also think like, if that connection is really there, it's not going to be an issue. It's just white noise. Yeah, that's true. You're honed in on across the table. You're staring at the the eyes in front of you. And like, that's your focus. And even someone with ADHD, like there's not even like uh, with a girl, like there's been like, you know, I, I go out to dinner with, like, a friend or, or whatever, yeah. and I am so, like, I can't even, my, I can't be distracted. I, yeah. I'm so, like, I lo- love this moment. I, I really I'm loving the it. one-on-one time. Yeah, I, like, I don't even catch myself being distracted because yeah. it's, like, this is keeping all my attention. Right, yeah. Yeah, I, 
the reason I don't like fancy first dinner dates is because that first initial like first impression you're giving is not necessarily authentic. Mm-hmm. It's not actually you because you're just trying to like kind of get the blanket topics like, oh, like do we have the same morals? Do we have the same values? Do we have like things that like are going to be common ground for us to go forward? Mm-hmm. So, and and this is my experience with like fancy first dates. So maybe that's where it's coming so from. So I think, I think I agree to disagree because okay. like I think what you are saying as cons is kind of like why I think it's, it's a good first date. I'm not even saying it's the best. Like there are yeah. so many other options and I can agree like, like, like the parking lot date or a park date. Like, yeah, I think those can be way more valuable, but for people that are using that to justify their excuse to, to like not overcome a hurdle or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And, and like finally go on the date with someone. I think having, a dinner date as the option is why it's the the best. Yeah. Because like you still can do all those other things for your first date. And I think they could be more valuable, but just because of how easy it is and how many like little ways you can kind of, you know, segment, segment, no compartmentalize like the time. You can like break that, it up. Yeah. Right. You can, you can, cause I think the other thing is it, it's kind of like, if you go to a park or you go to a you know parking lot, your one or the other person is kind of on home field. Whereas I feel like you're if you go to a dinner date, neither of you are at home. It's like you're playing, you're both mm. playing at an away field because like you can both use the same distractions: going to the bathroom, checking your phone, looking around, waiting for the waiter to come by, and like just using that little like mental break to be mm. like all right like this is fun and i'm engaged but like i'm almost too engaged and, I, and i'm probably starting to scare her at this point so or like, like oh. I'm, or, or you start scaring yourself right yeah oh yeah i've scared myself out of a, a lot of uh relationships actually that was the one that i was uh actually no i didn't scare myself out of this i just the one you were kind of helping me with mm. and then i was like i just like i don't even care enough to Try to reach back out. To even, to even, because like the whole thing that I wanted to do, and as I am saying it now, I'm realizing like that was my red flag. The whole <laughs> thing I wanted to do was like just challenge myself to be direct and, and express whatever it was that I needed to express at that time. Like to be in that uncomfortable situation of like, hey, I want to seriously date you. I, I'm interested in you. I want to see where things go. It was right. what you said to do. Yeah. And then and if she says no, awesome. And whatever reason, I was kind of like hoping she'd say no. Yeah. So yeah, you had said that. So like that way I can kind of grow from the rejection or whatever it may be. But also, um, you know. If you want to be rejected, just go to the park with all the moms and ask to take them all on dates. So I'll tell you no. That's your easiest way if you want to like really uh, get rejected. No, I feel like that's like, <laughs> that's where you find your mills. <laughs> <laughs> I saw I saw like a meme or a quote the other day um, that was like something about like I was overheard my boyfriend and his friend talking and uh, he was giving him relationship or dating advice and he said you got to stop finding girls at bars and in public places go to the grocery store that's where you yes find, that's where you find wifey <laughs> yes yes oh my god yes so much so uh, yeah because I mean think about the girls you see at the bars genuinely think about those girls you see at the bars. 
What do they, what do they look like? Like what, it's not even. Well, not, not I know look, what you're getting not, at. Not like look as in like a physical look, but like as in like a what kind of vibe are they giving off? Like what kind of air do you feel with those girls in the bar? I think there is kind of this combination of expectations. Oh, huh. Everyone has expectations, and they're all like. Because everyone has that expectation that I'm going to go home with someone at the bar. Like, that's mm. why a lot of people go out. It's like, I want to meet people at the bar. But also, because it's new people, you are setting a first impression. Mm-hmm. And those can make or break it. Yeah. Which, your well, first that's impression. Why, that's why I don't like the fancy dinner dates. Because the first impression can be so, like, very thought out and very, like, this is my first impression. I look nice. I dress nice. Listen, one of my first dates I went on, I was like, oh, my God, this is so not me. I'm in heels and a nice dress and lipstick. Ew. The girl, I'm, like, I am your, like, granola girl. Like, sweaters, T-shirts, jeans, boots. Like. Right. So that I don't like that because it doesn't necessarily give a great first impression of how I really, truly am. And that's the first impression that I want to get. Which- or give. So I and I totally agree with your point. Like I, I know what you're saying. I'm still not gonna back down that. Oh, I know. I know you're not gonna back down. I'm just saying like that's, but that's I think, part of the reason why I don't like those fancy dinner. I dates. think it is that that same idea that happens at the bar is like but everyone's subconsciously aware of it. Mm-hmm. They know everyone is setting a fake first impression. Yeah. Cause like no one uh there there's a word for it that's like people that literally are Always partying, always just looking for that that social thing to do. Right, party drugs. No, no, it's like um, it's not narcissism, but it's like a it's a ism. Like yeah, okay. So whatever it is, um, I would Google it, but we don't have my phone, so I can't figure that out. A masochist, maybe. No, masochist is where you like to be like basically beat to death in the bedroom, isn't it? Yeah, you might be right. All right, who cares? If you know... <laughs> the only reason I know, like, I, I think that that's the term is be- simply because there was, like, a TikTok video of, like, yeah. this, like, devil, and he was like, oh, yeah, welcome to hell, and he was like, oh, what are we going to do? And the guy was like, oh, I'm going to torture you, do X, Y, and Z, and he was like, yeah, 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 yeah what else? And I was like, and he was like, oh, you're a masochist. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah. No, <laughs> no thank you. Um, Yeah, whatever that term is, is, like, so... It's not common. People don't actually mm. have, like, there's, like, celebrities that, that have it just because, like, that's what their life has always been. Yeah, so it's that's like, the, that's I have access to all this party life. yeah. So I can do, I can maintain this. But, like, most people can't maintain it. So you know if someone's at the bar, people aren't always drinking. Yeah. All the time. So that's already one way that you're different than yourself. You know, you're kind of like. In a social setting. Kind of like. Instagram, kind of okay. like Instagram, where you're always presenting your best self. Mm. No one goes to the to the bars or goes out, you know, a, a night out with friends or whatever, and goes, mm, doesn't matter what I wear, I'm just gonna put on this shirt and these pants. No, they go, what's the best outfit that I haven't worn in a while? A while? Yeah, long enough, yeah. or a brand new outfit that I haven't worn yet. Yeah. It, and it's because, like, all right, well, I'm trying to set a better impression of myself, and ah, uh, see. I never, like, going out when I would go to clubs and stuff was never, like, a I'm putting this on because I'm putting out my best self. It was always, like, I'm putting this on because I want to look hot as fuck tonight. So do you think those are the same or are those different? 
Because to me, those are different. Because if I want to put something on that makes me look good, I'm going to find a flattering outfit. Whether that's the really curvy jeans or, like, the nice dress. But if I'm going to just go out to, like, look hot, I'm probably going to be wearing a short dress where half my ass is hanging out and it's about to fall off of me. So... Oh, I gotta be careful about how I dance around this this <laughs> top, this theory that I'm I'm working on and um just came popped in my brain. So like the whole uh woke culture where you know which I'm not saying bad PC right now. Like I I'm agreeing with them. Like the she she was dressed for she was what is the term like the she was asking for it. Oh, like yeah. like and um kind of the the rebuttal has always been like you know girls aren't dressing for you yeah forever i like didn't fully believe that i'm like yeah well you are dressing for me because like or you're just dressing for the The guys for the attention and i've and i never realized this or never made that true connection because what i do and what i truly think and what i'm trying to get at is that i think all all girls all all people do this too. When you put on your best outfit, what you love to wear, what you feel like you look good in, you're checking yourself out in the mirror. You're like, oh yeah. You walk, if you're in a bar, or whatever, you, you walk past a TV, a blank TV screen, you're like, yeah, that is the out. Like, yeah. I get, like that's why I'm posting on Snapchat and Instagram stories and everything. So that the best like, life. Because I'm like, this is my outfit. Like mm-hmm. this is, and I'm guilty of this. Just being a guy, where it's like. You find your one good outfit, and that's the outfit you wear yeah, every, every single time, time you go out. And and I, I try to switch it up as often as I can, but I only have so many clothes because I don't go shopping. Yeah, <laughs> to every guy ever. Yeah, right. So <laughs> so I think like that's so true, and it's something that I never really understood. Is like you're dressing for yourself, mm-hmm. and for whatever for whatever reason. So like you know you could be. Doing both, like they're not mutually exclusive. So oh you could God, be, no! You could be dressing to impress the guys at the bar, but, but in that process, you're like, "Damn, right. I look good, bitch." Or you're thinking like mentally, the best way to impress them is through confidence, and I'm confident in, in this, this outfit because I feel like I look good, so they'll think I look good. Right, right. So I think, and confidence is attractive. I think- oh, <laughs> I was like, yeah, the theme of the show, but no, courage, courage. was technically the word. That's was right. Very similar. Uh no, 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 I don't think uh-uh. they're, I think they're very different. I think they yeah. can be aligned and work together. Yes. And they can also work against each but other. But you can be, you can be confident and have zero courage to do anything. Because you can, you can be. Yes, I, I'll give you, I'll give you a point. All so, right, go um, ahead. I've, I think it was on this show, but I've definitely expressed, I am in no ways a player. I don't have a roster. I don't really have... You said that just, I think, like 20 minutes ago. Almost all of my life, I didn't really have confidence. This to is something be the that, one that has the roster? Or just to be... Confidence, like personal general. confidence. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's because I'm so self-critical. Mm. And I used to let that be me. Is like, I'm self-critical and these are the... This is the best that I can be. But yeah. now I'm like... I'm starting to learn. And I think it is just experience getting older. And it's like... And it acceptance. Really and acceptance, and, and I'm okay with my flaws. And I actually, and I've talked about this, like I'm starting to learn how to use those things that I labeled flaws as my weapons to wage in my life journey. Right, um, and in a positive way, learning to take those flaws and like run in a good way with it. Yeah, 
Um, and, and I think, so where I lack courage, this is how they kind of work opposite. Uh, I lack courage when it comes to building the relationships. I didn't take risks and I didn't put myself into uncomfortable, challenging situations with relationships and like really try to, to go on enough dates. It was like, as soon as I like got bored or even like started to, to be like, uh, you know, I can text her tomorrow. It's like, Mm. at that point I've already given up, which is the opposite that I've done with podcasting. It was like, when I finally got to the point where I'm like, no, this is something I'm passionate about. I'm going to, to do as much as I can with podcasting. I'll buy the equipment and, and like, I know I like it. So I am going to try to see how deep this passion goes. And I think that's, um, the courage, the, the taking chances, uh, taking risks or whatever. I don't apply in with girls because I'm like, well, you know, I don't want to take a risk because it's like, I'm not that interested, Mm. but like, who knows? Like, I do like that person. I think they're attractive and and we had a good first date and we connected well, but like, I'm not taking a risk to see how deep that passion could really go, Mm. but I'm confident. And this is an example of, so like just being confident, which you have to find in yourself how you are confident. Yeah. everyone's, Everyone's different. But I went to a, um, party one uh one day a couple weeks ago actually and moral of the story is I had a one night stand with a girl and it was because like from the moment I entered the party I was just confident like I don't even know what it was it it was I came off of like a 10 hour day of recording in the studio and I think it was because like I just did so much towards my passion yeah and it was like for me it was like it's like dressing well yeah it's like that it boosted my confidence so I just was like spewing out confidence and like I was just so we like that shit I know (laughs) and and I realized it and it clicked in my brain as it was happening and I'm just like I don't even like I want you to to reject me yeah I want to see how far my like confidence and me being me can go before you reject me and that confidence you didn't even get rejected I didn't get rejected well Mm -hmm. Sorry, there was like a group, three girls or whatever that I was kind of like talking to. And the one that I was talking to a little bit more, mm. we ended up like taking the party to another Home. another place. Oh, okay. All, all of them. And she, the other place we went to is like her guy that she's kind of like talking to on the side. And then from there, I just was like, well. well okay. Whoops. <laughs> well. <laughs> That, which is so weird. Girl, you should have come clean. So just like, and, and, you know, podcasting is where I find my high. And my high built that confidence. Yeah. And and the reason why I'm saying this is like, because that is not me. Mm. It's not even something that like, I I actually don't like doing that. Like I, I, I really do want to build a connection, have a, yeah, but sometimes, I want a wife and kids. Yeah, but sometimes that primal desire is just there. And when you're riding such a high off of like a really good day, you're like, I just need that last bit of validation that I want. Right. And then, and then as my confidence continued to grow without, because I wasn't getting rejected, it was like a whole new alter ego mm-hmm. came out and just like took over that situation. Yeah. And like, it was so weird, but it was so like such a valuable memory. Oh valuable yeah. Moment. Cause it, it was like at that point I realized 
I am confident Mm -hmm. in myself. I am confident with who I am. Even though I've been self-deprecating and insecure all my life, I know I have confidence in me. Mm -hmm. And it was like a, um, almost like a reassurance to be like, Hey dude, it's there. Like you got it. Like you have a reassurance. It was like the first time I was assured. Yeah. It was like, Oh, did you know? Because like, bitch, now you do. You can like, and, and I'm like, so as awesome as it, was to be like, oh, I was a player last night. Like, I can spit game. I also don't just remember you still got it sometimes after you haven't been doing it for a while. And I don't even mean, like, the whole sex part, but just, like, flirting in general, knowing you still got it in order to, like, have and get it. Well, well, yeah, It's a confidence boost. I don't care who you are. If you spit game for the first time in months and you're just like, yeah, okay, and people are feeding off of it. You're like, oh, wow. Right. Oh, wow. Damn. It's been yeah. a while, but like, I got it's it. It's fun to be me finally. Yeah. Or be a version of me. Right. Right. Which, again, so the the party that I went to are with like, they're friends-ish from college. Like I, um, they were commuters. So like we'd mm-hmm. chat in the, in the library. Yeah. They had a friend that was having a party. So, like, I went with that group of friends, which to kind of like a little callback is, like, I'm able to explore my, new, like, my new self mm-hmm. without reverting back to, to what I used to be. Yeah. And and that's what allowed me to be confident. Because, like, I'm going out with a newer friend, so, like, they don't have any expectations. Yeah. They don't have any impression they of me. They have no idea what you could be like in this situation, or they have very little experience with you in these situations. So, like, they're not expecting you to be, like, the party boy. They're not expecting you to be the quiet boy in the corner. They're just expecting whatever you bring to the table. So all my insecurities is, like, literally the the, the little phrases you just said is, like, oh, I'm I'm not the party guy, so I can't go up and try to start partying. Because they don't really know my who I really am like my full level because I don't even know I'm still finding that that person yeah like tonight I get to be that party guy yeah I get to be that smooth talker I get to be the whatever it is yeah and it and it was like and I think the other side of it too is like the the girls and the reason why this is such a valuable thing for me experience in my life was like they also being new in my just like meeting them and everything like they also allowed me to explore my confidence like I didn't yeah. even know that I was able to do those things or mm-hmm. say those things and in that moment of self growth like I wouldn't ever want to do that again because again I the that's whole not idea what of, you're looking for I want I want a wife yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so so yep. like so th- that's not how you get a wife but that was such a you know important moment in my life that now and this is why table talks, just having conversations are so important because even though I'm talking about my specific scenario and how I build confidence, apply this to a, a scenario that allows you to build your confidence or yeah. maybe not confidence. Maybe it's courage that you want to work on or happiness that you want to work on. This is how you do it. It's it's like experiencing it for yourself because mm-hmm. like a lot of those things that I learned about my confidence has helped me with my own podcast. Yeah, you've been I, able to apply it in a different way, right. in a productive way. Well, in in like one of my the biggest things, and you know why I have an alias and everything, and or use an alias, and um, it's because I was still kind of insecure. I was kind of reverting back because my Instagram feed is filled with my reverted self. Mm-hmm. So, 
I'm still trying to like, I don't want to be like the weird high school guy who tried to do podcasts. So forever that was blocking me. But like mm. when I learned that I had the confidence when I'm more myself, now it kind of like gave me the, the ambition to be like, fuck it. I'm just going to start posting this shit on my personal page. Maybe everyone does make fun of me. Yeah. Maybe they do. But, but most of the time they're probably just saying it amongst their friends and you're never going to hear a goddamn word they say. Or what was awesome is not a lot of people liked it. And I got, I think, two, two like, you know, DMs or whatever. Like right. people like, oh, this hey, is awesome. Yeah. Like, like proud of you or whatever. Other than that, like that's what I wanted because I'm like, now I don't have to revert back to myself when I post on Instagram. Yeah. I, I realize you guys I aren't paying attention, so I'm just no, going to be yeah. my full self. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think... I think social media is obviously has its pros and its cons because, you know, like anything, everything's got a pro and a con. But I think the huge pro about social media, especially when you're a nobody on social media, is being able to explore all of these aspects of who you are as a person. Because you don't have you don't have an audience with expectations. You get to just be like, yeah, I'm all these things. Yeah. That's why that's, that's why I love the shit I post on Instagram. I'm all these things. I'm the girl that writes a blog. I'm a girl that does art. I'm a girl that goes hiking. I'm a girl that, you know, I like to travel. I do this. I like to pay those bikini pics because guess what? That shit's hot. <laughs> I like, you know, like you, I, I explore. Them. Yeah. <laughs> I, I explore all of these areas of who I am on social media and I'm also really vulnerable on social media with like days that are tough I like post stories where I'm crying and like walking through it and talking through it and and I think we talked about this yesterday was the post that I wrote about like you know my my past self like oh I'm I'm writing this to like from future self to past self and I was like did I post that for me I'm like yeah I'm sure it was therapeutic but I wasn't really posting it just for me like I was posting it for other people as well you know what's funny is like I when we talked about that we were critical because we were kind of saying it's like you're being fake because you were trying to you were sending that message to one person and, yeah. and you thought you were dancing around it. I think in the same way that like my confidence got boosted and and I went through that whole experience and now reflected back and learned how I can apply it. You can do the same thing with that, even though mm-hmm. it was like you you realize it's like okay in that moment. I thought I was being therapeutic, genuine, yeah. genuine but I wasn't. Mm-hmm. So what was I trying to get at? Oh, I was trying to make sure that this guy saw it. Yeah. So now you're starting, the, the deeper you go, you're starting to realize who you are. It's like, all right, so I'm trying to impress this person. Why do I want this person? Yeah. Why do I want that validation from that specific person? And, and a lot of times you can be like, well, here's why. Because we have a relationship and I want to maintain that relationship. Right. And even if at the time you think you want it, maybe later on you don't. Yeah. Maybe later on you it works out and, and it continues. But it's like when you take chances, when you when you try to push your, you know, how uncomfortable you can be, you can really explore yourself. Yeah, that comfort zone. And Get a lot out of time, that comfort zone. A lot of times you don't explore yourself when it's happening. You have to take the courage to explore the uncomfortable. You really do. You, so you need the you need the two. Yeah. So you need to have the the courage to explore. Actually, no, I think it's the opposite way. You need to have the confidence to explore the whatever it is. Mm-hmm. The confidence to, to even not 
only do the things like be confident or, or be vulnerable or whatever it is to also be confident enough to reflect back on yourself. Mm-hmm. And then I think that takes more courage than confidence. And that's, yeah. And that's where the courage comes in. So yeah. like you have to be courageous to, to not stop at the first. Okay. So what was I trying to get out here? Yeah. Why was I trying to get out? You know, there? you know, the five whys. Five wise. Five wise. Excellent episode. Go 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 back and and do like even uh, like the five wise are great because I don't think the five wise apply to just uh your next step in life like your next like oh I want to do this I want to do that I you know I want to be this career I want to like move here you don't have to do five wise around that you get mm-hmm. to do five wise around any decision in your life okay why do I want to do that thing right why why and why and it doesn't you have just, to and and I learned. I'm getting so much better at like talking every day, especially the more I do podcasts and the more I journal. But uh, one of the things that I like started to find worked really well. And I, and I wanted to push to see how, you know, excellent of a tool this is, Mm. is we kind of were working with Eli yesterday or podcasting with Eli and we were helping him break down this girl Mm -hmm. that he's, going to go see but doesn't really know what the future holds right and i kept pushing what do you want yeah what do you want and then and now and i i don't know why i overshare like this because like now you're gonna know my tactic here <laughs> but like off air that's what i was doing when we were trying to yeah. when i was trying to help you with whatever situation. situation i was like well what do you want yeah yeah and, and like that's such a like it's a hot that's a hard question it's a really hard question because I know long, like, and just specifically around my situation, I know what I want long term. I want the wife. I want. I want to be the wife, the hot wife, the trophy wife with the with the kids in the house and and the working husband. I want that. It's so simple. I think it's an actually simple answer, and that's why it's so scary and it's so yeah. difficult. But like, I don't want that right now. But you know, you want it. Yeah. But I got. But I got to do the so, things before so the, I know I want it. The scary part is because because you're making you're forcing yourself into that uncomfortable like decisive moment by asking what do I want. First, you say, "Well, I know ten years from now what I want." Right. I know what I want my life to look like. Well, so if that's what I want, then is this relationship what I want? Yeah. Is this relationship get gonna me there? get me there? Yeah. And a lot of times, this is why it becomes so difficult is because, like, I mean, it's unpredictable. But but it's also, like, I feel like we're, as humans, we're smarter than we think. Oh, yeah. And we know whether oh, we or not. Know. We know whether or not, like, and that's just a great example. Like, a relationship with the person you're breaking down is, like, actually going to pan out. We, yeah. We actually have this, like, unique ability to pretty accurately predict how they oh are my affecting God. you. Absolutely. And and I did this with my ex. Like I I knew how the relationship was going to end. Yeah. And I stuck around because I was like, I'm done dating. I'm done I'm done fucking around. Like this is the one. I'm just gonna figure it out. Even though I knew because, in my heart of heart that that was never going to work out the way I wanted it to. Because I think what a lot of people do, even even if you've never heard this advice or you start applying this advice or think back to times where you use similar like what do I want? What do I want? What do I want? What you probably did, or I'm going to assume for, for the sake of, you know, whatever. Um, Don't worry, I'll correct you if you're wrong. 
that when you are saying, what do I want? I want this relationship. Okay. I want this relationship because he makes me happy. He makes me feel fulfilled. But mm-hmm. like what you're really wanting is to feel fulfilled, to feel yeah. confident, to feel happy. You just, and, and it's hard because of like, you know, love blinds us. Oh God. Yeah. So like you think that to like, he is the thing that you want. Right. It's the, it's the emotion that you want. Absolutely. And it's and, so hard to pull those two apart. And, and recognize when you are thinking you're happy and actually recognizing your true emotions, I think is hard, a lot harder. Oh, a hundred percent. A lot harder. Um, so, and I'm sorry if I ruin your podcast by asking. Uh, we're, we're at the hour and a half mark. Oh, all right. Yeah, let's, um, let's wrap that up. Oh, do you want to just wrap it up? Yeah, let's wrap it up. All right. Sorry if I uh, intruded. Um, I will mute myself and let you take it away. Thanks for having me. Yeah, always a pleasure. Uh, well, thank you guys for, for coming back to Table Talk and joining us for uh, an hour and a half long, long uh, ago at it. Um, I hope you got your advice uh, and maybe some unsolicited advice, which is kind of the reason why I started Table Talks was for all the unsolicited advice that um, my best friend and I would always give each other. Um, and yeah, I hope you learned something and uh, we'll see you guys next time.